Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better. Hey, let's get them up, get them going. It is Thursday on Hook 'em Up with E and Rod B. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day. Been a busy week. Had Mardi Gras, Valentine's Day, Fat Tuesday, all the fun. Uh, now it's time for a Thursday edition. Five hours of uh, good sports conversation begins right now. We appreciate you being there on a warmer morning. Temperatures near 60 degrees. Going to be a real warm afternoon, spring-like in Austin, Texas today. We'll take that for this uh, 15th of February, 20 and 24. we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, tragedy at the Super Bowl parade yesterday, but there was Super Bowl news on the mundane side of the NFL. Also, uh, plenty of hoops, plenty of uh, baseball. We're going to preview the Longhorn baseball season coming up this morning over our five-hour conversation. Longhorns open up at Dishwalk Field tomorrow. Three-game series with the University of San Diego. So we'll dive into some baseball, too, uh, and as we get you rolling uh, into your Thursday morning. Appreciate you being there. However you find us each and every morning. Could be on 1019 FM, maybe on AM 1260. And of course, always streaming on that ever-popular and growing Horn app. Appreciate you downloading that to your smartphone, finding us with a touch of a button wherever you are in the 512, all over the great state, all over the world at uh, the Horn app, also at hornfm.com. Also find all of our shows, all the hours at our website. Uh, if you want to hear them on a podcast at your convenience, you can do that at hornfm.com as well as we get you going on this Thursday. Look who it is. He's made his way into the South Austin Onion Creek compound right on time as usual. He is our shutdown corner out of the 713. DB High down there in Houston, Texas. A lifetime Longhorn at DBU right here in the 512. And then on the NFL for four or five years and now 16 great years doing media here in Central Texas and beyond. He is uh, the one and only Black Stradamus, the football theorist, the proud papa of Baby Monroe. He is our man, Rod Babers. What's up, RB? Uh, doing great, brother. Appreciate the intro as always. And, uh, yeah, excited about the show today. Got some, uh, yeah, got, you got to put the, the, the bow on football season still. So there's still a lot of good uh, nuggets coming from the Super Bowl, but still that unfortunate story coming oh. from the Super Bowl parade. I mean, that, I, I, that's just devastating. It really is heartbreaking. Um, I have thoughts and prayers with everybody associated with it. Of course, the family and friends of those victims. And, uh, yeah, man, that's just, there's no words to describe the tragic Horrific. Uh, yeah, horrific, you know, disgusting uh, acts that took place uh, during that Super Bowl parade. So we'll talk about it, but uh, that's obviously uh, for, for first, uh, first of mind for us and on our hearts, of course, are those who uh, tragically uh, lost their lives um, at that event. Well, and thanks to the first responders, obviously. I mean, it's one of those things that you close to a million people or over a million people gathering. Mm-hmm. You just never know. I mean, that, that a huge police presence, FBI, military there. But uh, in a crowd that size, just uh, absolutely tragic for mm-hmm. sure yeah. and terrible, terrible. You know, there was a shooting at the Texas Rangers World Series Parade when they celebrated up in, in Arlington. It's just uh, all too common, all too common. I don't think anybody has a good answer on how to solve it. It's just uh, – Unfortunately, that's who we are. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, as a society, we, we – uh, it's not actually a surprise, and that's the unfortunate thing. Yes, it is. When something like that happens, that is part of who we are as a society. We got to fix. We got to fix us, guys. We got to yeah. fix us. Uh, but shout out to those who serve. There are uh, some good parts of uh, the, uh, the the human uh, condition and the human experience, and uh, those who represent the best of us are those who serve each and every day. Our society built on the selflessness of service, so we we'll appreciate each and every one of you out there. 
there who run toward the danger uh, each and every time uh, to try to make sure that you're doing uh, what's best for all of us. We know it's a bo- an honor, but also a burden to serve. Uh, so we appreciate you serving God, country, our community. First responders, of course, the teachers, the nurses, officers of the law. Can't uh, say it enough and can't say thank you enough and can't say it enough to all the professions and all the people out there. But I really, really appreciate you guys. Of course, this morning, um, it's uh, it, <laughs> the, the shout out is every morning, but this morning it seems apropos. Uh, heavy hearts, heavy hearts for sure. Uh, yeah, again, it's the folks that run into the danger when everyone's running from it. Uh, I saw the uh, video of the, the horrible situation at the, the hospital there in North Austin where the car drove into the emergency room. Oh, my God. And uh, what a tragedy. Yeah. Mean, how re- yeah. as bizarre is that? Exactly. Uh, you know, the only person killed in that was the, the driver of the vehicle. A 57-year-old female, but man, you see the video, and it's you know people running to save lives. It's exactly. what it's all about. And these are nurses yeah. and doctors, and uh, trying to help those that were injured. Uh, just a, a bizarre 12 hours or so with a lot going on, uh, for sure. But uh, there is actual sports conversation to be had. And we know that's why you come to us. And we appreciate you doing it. Also appreciate you uh, making your voice heard. Hit us on the uh, the message line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. How you can get to us, and we'll certainly uh, get your thoughts on the big topics of the morning, including. Uh, the top stories. Let's get to them. We got to get you caught up on the news. You get you rolling on a Thursday. Top Gun Rentals and Lot Equipment bring you the top stories, and we do start in the NFL. Yeah, obviously the uh, tragedy in Kansas City, uh, marring the uh, the actual just mundane sports news of the day, uh, did, did come from Kansas City and San Francisco on the same day. The Chiefs announced the contract extension for their defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. The San Francisco 49ers and their head coach Kyle Shanahan announced that he is relieving his defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes of his duties following the Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs on Sunday. Wilkes went spent one season in San Fran after taking over for D'Amico Ryan's, who left to become the Houston Texans head coach. Up in Dallas, meanwhile, Cowboys officially introduced Mike Zimmer to be their new defensive coordinator. Had a press conference yesterday. Team announced that their current defensive backs coach, Al Harris, is being retained and will be part of Zimmer's first staff. In Washington, commanders are today busy hiring uh, the first staff for Dan Quinn. They have hired San Francisco 49ers assistant head coach and running backs coach Anthony Lynn, the former uh, L.A. Chargers head coach. He's going to be their run game coordinator. The college basketball, five in a row now. For the Texas women, the fifth-ranked team in the country, they went to Houston last night, beat the Cougars 82-66. Madison Booker, the fabulous freshman, once again led the way with 23.7 rebounds. Deanna Gaston added 21 points, eight boards for Vic Schaefer's horns. are now 23-3 overall, 10-3 in the Big 12. Uh, for the first time in five years, meanwhile, the Texas men don't play a midweek game between Saturday contests in the Big 12. It's rare. Longhorns and Rodney Terry certainly hope to make the most of a little extra rest in the middle of the Big 12 meat grinder. They'll travel to third uh, face third-ranked Houston on Saturday at noon down in H-Town. In the NBA, Texas Trio in action for the final time ahead of this uh, upcoming All-Star break. Mavericks uh, up in Dallas won their, ran their win streak to six. They roll past the Spurs, 116-93. Kyrie Irving led the way with 34. Luka added 27. While the Rockets were losers in Memphis, 121-116. In NASCAR, Joey Logano earned the pole for this Sunday's Daytona 500. In qualifying last night and in golf, a star-studded field will tee off this morning. First round of the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. It's the third signature event of the PGA Tour season so far. Includes nine of the top ten players in the world rankings. And, oh, yes, it includes Tiger Woods, who will make his season debut. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. You didn't mention it in the headlines, but the biggest story, uh, sports story, last, uh, at least from the last show, at least from yesterday, was the, the story that didn't happen. LeBron James potentially to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Warriors. Uh, see, the Warriors aren't done, man. The Warriors, I, I like the way that op, uh, that organization operates. They believe their championship window is always open. And, man, if they would have got LeBron James, 
Uh, and I still want to know what the package would have been. I, I haven't heard that from Woj or any of the NBA insiders, what the actual package would have been to entice LeBron James and the Lakers to make a deal. Uh, but it does show you that, you know, maybe LeBron's not done, potentially. I mean, even things can get interesting. You know, LeBron James always puts those opt-out clauses in his contract. So he's always got an out. Everybody just assumed L.A. would be the last stop for LeBron James. Maybe it won't be. I mean, who knows? I assumed it would be, but, you know, maybe LeBron James has got something else up his sleeve. I didn't even know that the Warriors were interested. Uh, apparently it was, Dr- it was a Draymond Green-led effort, too. Draymond Green wanted, LeBron, wanted that LeBron James deal to get done. Yeah, it started with a call from the owner, Jacob, uh, Joe, J- uh, Joe Lacob, to the Lakers owner, Jeannie Buss, who apparently wasn't interested unless LeBron wanted out. Yeah, she wants her stars to be happy. Yeah, so. Um, Jeannie's big thing. Well, I mean, as you say, I mean, uh, the, you know, Steph Curry, you're not going to play forever. Clay Thompson, I mean, you still have that core. And obviously a player like LeBron James, <laughs> I mean, um, uniting, it would have oh, been a, a huge story. But it's a story that wasn't because the trade deadline has come and gone now. It broke uh, the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would have broke Twitter. I mean, that broke the Internet, broke Twitter. But think about NBA ratings would have went through the roof. I mean, that would have been must-watch television. Everybody, I mean, you'd have, to, you'd have to put them on TV as much as possible because everybody would have wanted to watch it, good or bad. Oh, yeah, for, you know, for the people that hate LeBron James, hate like LeBron our producer James, Ty and others. Love them. Oh, man, you'd have to watch that. And uniting. Steph with LeBron? Well, and obviously Steph and LeBron are the two you know, seminal figures of the last 20 years in basketball, right? Exactly. I mean, they, um, you know, LeBron's dominated it for the last two decades. You Steph Curry. Together? Yeah, these are the two of the greatest all-time. Oh, in the they're the standard bearers for basketball of this era. Uh, and if they would have joined, it would have been huge. But, it yeah, obviously, um, and it, the fact that the story broke a week later. I mean, it, it didn't even, didn't even uh, make a ripple uh, at, at the, at the deadline. Yeah. Uh, but the story gets out, and, yes, obviously didn't happen. But it, you said lead to the conversation of what will happen when the season's over. A long way between now and, and the summertime, but you're right about that. That would have been a massive. Well, I just wonder if it'll now force the Lakers, since they, you know, maybe they uh, were more incentivized, or maybe just motivated them to make more moves in the offseason to help LeBron, uh, to help the Lakers. Because uh, you know the Lakers, I know they won the in season tournament, but I don't know if the Lakers are championship material no. right now. I don't. They don't strike me as the kind of squad that can compete for a championship. But I'll admit I haven't watched as much NBA as I probably should be. But that's going to start up pretty soon. Have to, yeah. Well, and uh, obviously the Denver Nuggets are the defending champs, and Mavericks are making a run in the West. But uh, you know it's going to be an interesting run here. The NBA heading into its All Star break this weekend mm-hmm. uh, to to have their All Star game and All Star attractions. I mean, it's obviously the first coming this coming weekend, the first without any football at all. So people will start coming to uh, college basketball in the Big 12 race, the NBA. Um, obviously, NASCAR has got its Super Bowl of racing on Sunday with the Daytona 500. Tiger Woods is playing golf this weekend at uh, Riviera. So there will be some, some big story stories. But obviously, football still dominates. But, yeah, that would have been a story that uh, you know, would be unmatched for the year. <laughs> One of the biggest stories in a, in a half decade if that had gone down uh, yeah. over, the, over the trade deadline last week. Yeah, um, and it might have just been – I mean, that, like I said, it, it would have been must-watch television. I can't – I mean, the last time, I guess, a blockbuster trade like that, that would have rocked the NBA – to that magnitude, probably would have been the Warriors. I mean, with KD going to the Warriors. Oh yeah, on the yeah on the free agency yeah signing there. Oh right? uh, well, yeah, I guess that, so. that was not yeah. a trade, but that was a signing, and uh, that was yeah for sure. Or LeBron moving to the Heat, or LeBron moving to the Lakers. I mean, whenever LeBron moves, because he's been such a seminal figure of the league and one of the greatest players of all time, it becomes a you know the piece of news. And look, there's already been conversations by many in the NBA of what happens to this league when those two guys retire. 
because it doesn't you – know, there's a lot of folks who are worried that uh, – I heard Charles Barkley talking with uh, those guys about it on, on TNT. You know, who's going to be the standard bearers of the league after LeBron and Steph? Who are the, who are the guys that are ready yeah, to sure. put this league on their back and on their shoulders? And not just as far as leadership, but as far as interest and ratings. I mean, whatever you think of LeBron James, whatever your opinion is of him as a basketball player or political or whatever, or Steph Curry, has he become a villain now in his, late in his career uh, because of all the success? When those two guys move on, who's next? I mean, the stars are Nikola Jokic. Uh, these, are, these are great players, but do they bring people? Do they bring eyeballs? Do they bring, you know, the, 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 uh, the conversation? That's going to be the question. And that, I think there's a lot of people that wonder who are the next. We know who the talented players are. It's a very talented league right now. But who are the stars? Who are the, uh, the crossover bringing the general, the gen pop, to come watch basketball? I think uh, we know it was Michael Jordan for so long. It's become LeBron James and Steph Curry. Who's next? What? And I think that one of the bigger issues underlying uh, themes is that you don't really have many American-born yeah. superstars in the NBA right now. I mean, a lot of your superstars are, you know, from outside the States, and, you know, a lot of your MVPs, right, have been um, outside of the States. And I wonder who's your next American-born superstar. Guys like John Morant, you know, they obviously they jump to the forefront of, you know, the thought process and the discourse there. But um, because of his off-the-field issues, you know, he's got some, you know, bigger fish to fry at this time. You know, Shai Gilgis Alexander is a great player, but I don't know if he's – and he's actually Canadian, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I think that's a big part of it, well, too. You're like, right. Who's I mean, going to be an American-born superstar in the NBA? That's what LeBron James was. That's what Steph was. I mean, that, that, that happened that, – that influence happened in fighting, too, like in boxing. You had a lot of outside the state's influence, and everybody kept waiting on that American-born heavyweight. Tennis, too. To take over. Having in tennis, a lot of people think that's what's, you know, keeping American soccer from blowing up. You don't have enough kind of American-born superstars in the sport, so I mean that's that. I'm with you on that. I think the NBA. I mean it's a, a problem that they, they have to worry about down the line because Steph and LeBron are still right now uh, able to market the sport and promote it. But at one point, yeah, they got to start thinking about man, who are going to be the next driving forces uh, behind the NBA, the face of the NBA. Um, you know, once LeBron does step down. It'll be interesting, and obviously uh, we'll, we'll see where this season goes into its all-star break. Of course, the all-star break in the NBA doesn't happen in midseason. They're past the midway point of the regular season, but they try to wait till the football season's over, uh, get through the Super Bowl, then have their all-star break. Yeah. Uh, the Super Bowl is in the rear view. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the top story coming from Kansas City and from San Francisco, the firing of Steve Wilkes, Rod. You mentioned you last week, because a lot of po- folks are, are pretty upset about this. They think Kyle Shanahan's scapegoating Steve Wilkes here. Um, but for our audience, they knew that. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Well, the, the perception is that, that somebody had, had to good, go. He had a great Super Bowl game plan and performance, but if you take the totality of the entire season, there were major issues on that defense. Well, you had said to uh, our audience and me that uh, you thought even if they won the game, that Steve Wilkes may not be retained by Kyle Shanahan. So yeah. I mean, uh, just because it was a one-year thing and he was the first guy that had come from outside the Niners family, uh, they brought him in and, of course, to replace D'Amico Ryans, who was replaced Robert Sala. It's hard to hit three in a row in anything. I always say that. Hard to hit three great ones of anything in a row. QBs, head coaches, quarterbacks, coordinators, third, third coordinator. I just think it was tough to try to hit hit a grand slam home run with Sella, then Demigo Ryan's, and he'll hit another one. I mean, he he he's he's great at building a coaching staff, but nobody's perfect. And I just think you know this was a for him. He believed there was a regression on the defensive side of the ball, and I do too. I just watching it, they gave away too much on the edge, guys. They, 
He had a hard time defending the edge, the perimeter runs, and he could not. And even Shano remarked about this. The reason I thought actually still Steve uh, Wilkes might have been safe because after their morning press conference, when he was asked about it, he didn't definitively say that he was gone. And he waited later after in the day after their initial media availability to announce that Steve Wilkes was gone. I mean, it was like hours later after he mailed the media. Yeah. So it was weird. It was like I don't know I don't know what what well, I don't know exactly why it took yeah, the timing was weird. Yeah, because during the press conference when he was asked about it, he didn't say Steve Wilkes was gone, but then he, he announced it later on, which means he already had his mind made up, which I thought would be the case. But either way, they they can't he didn't tie the fronts and the coverages and the pressure packages together really well. That's what coordination of a defense really is, and I think that ultimately is what kind of led to his ousting. Yeah, and, I, and again, a lot of people are looking at it, and he's got fired because they lost the Super Bowl. No. And in the end, this was something that was big, bigger picture, yeah. season-long, uh, bigger conversation. But yeah. obviously, it's an easy look, or you know, a lot of people would say bad look, that hey, you know, someone's got to go, and people, Kyle Shanahan's one that took, took the ball in overtime, Kyle Shanahan, X, Y, Z. But at the same time, this was a bigger, bigger conversation. But you know how it gets played in, yep. the, in the national narrative. I totally understand. Uh, but somebody – well uh, – I, like I said, I, I was looking at it, and I said weeks ago, I think he was displeased with the defense, and he was going to try to upgrade if possible. And there are a lot of upgrades out there, possibly. So I'll get into that a little bit later on in Roger around the day, because I do think, and I wonder if the Cowboys will look at a guy like Steve Wilkes to bring on to their staff. Yeah. I mean, think about it. They're still building their coaching staff. Mike Zimmer's a guy who's well-connected, and Steve Wilkes, say what you want. If you do believe he's being scapegoated, uh, you know, then he potentially could be an upgrade on the Cowboys staff. Uh, right now, they've only what retained Al Harris as a member of that staff with Mike Zimmer on the defensive side of the ball. Al Harris, and uh, they actually—I'm trying to think. Somebody, you know, he actually, well, the other Mike Zimmer piece of news—they were he had asked to interview the uh, New York Giants defensive line coach. He was trying to talk to, oh, and, okay, the, yeah. and the Giants said no. Giants said no. Uh, we're not going to let you talk to him. They blocked that. Uh, so all that uh, coaching. In a conversation going on. It is interesting that as Dan Quinn builds his first staff in Washington, he brings in Anthony Lynn, who has been a former Cowboys running backs coach. Of course, Veteran. Texas Tech Red Raider Anthony yep. Lynn, former Chargers head coach. He just had been the assistant head coach for Kyle Shanahan. Smart move. So Dan Quinn building quite a staff, it appears. I mean, he's brought yep. in a lot of veterans. He you know, brought in, obviously, Cliff Kingsbury, former head coach. Anthony Lynn, former head coach. Um, you know, defense is, is uh, you know, his specialty, and he brought over Joe Witt Jr., uh, so yeah, I think uh, Dan Quinn building something there. Now, obviously, they got to get a quarterback, and they got to figure out what they're doing with uh, with their talent. But Dan Quinn building quite a staff in Washington Cowboys, and Mike Zimmer now begin to build their staff. We'll try to get you some thoughts on what Mike Zimmer had to say yesterday. Uh, you know, there was a moment we'll play it as far as Steve Wilkes in the Super Bowl, where Kyle Shanahan in overtime actually called a timeout, kind of to force Steve Wilkes to change his defense because he thought he was playing a little bit too passive. Tony Romo actually made a comment on it. Mm. If you remember, Ty, I sent you this audio. Can we listen to this? I sent it to you, uh, your DMs. It's uh, uh, the, 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 the exact moment when Kyle Shanahan maybe was frustrated with Steve Wilkes, and maybe that was the final straw. This was with uh, 2.48 to go in overtime. It's 22-19. The Niners have already gone down and kicked a field goal. Uh, Chiefs are coming back down the field. They had him in the first, uh, second and 16, and uh, then they, got, they completed an easy pass. And you know, they had to have that great game plan for the whole game. And it looked like uh, they were playing loose. I mean, they had eight guys, they had like five guys beyond the first down playing soft coverage. And listen to Tony Romo on this call from uh, from CBS. This, you know, his his you know view of this when Kyle Shanahan called a timeout to talk to his defensive coordinator. At the top, he had that deep pass earlier in the game. Timeout called by San Francisco. Five guys up there, Jim. All the way back there, as if you've got an extra. I think. 
Kyle didn't like it. He goes, no, 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 no offense. This is where he's telling Steve, I don't want to go cover zero because you feel like we got to come after him here. Give me a different play. That's why he did it. All right, there you go. Uh, so maybe Romo noticing some disagreement between the head coach and the defensive coordinator yeah. uh, in the middle of the overtime and the pressure situation. Uh, Steve Wilkes out. But as you said, it's a, it's a bigger conversation. It's a longer-term conversation. And obviously Kyle Shanahan wanted a different person in that role because, again, you said you, you, know, you felt like even if they won the game, I do. I feel they like might have moved on from him. Yeah. I, I, I mean, people think that's absurd, but I think that's how upset and I think that's how disjointed uh, Shano believed the defense was. I mean, Shano's actually really involved on the defense side of the ball um, just because he wants to make sure that the schemes are complementary, right, to each other uh, and the phases of the game complement one another. So I, I know that he was upset about some of the chunk yardage plays that they had given up, and he was worried about the f- back seven being coordinated with the fronts, which didn't happen uh, consistently enough for him. But I will admit, Super Bowl game plan actually was really good by Steve Wilkes. I mean, you allowed less than 20 points in regulation. Yeah. I mean, that was not, that was not a bad game plan. That defense had you in the game, and it's not his fault that Dre Greenlaw goes down. Yeah. I mean, Dre Greenlaw goes down, and if Dre Greenlaw doesn't go down, you could argue the 49ers have enough to win that Super Bowl. He goes down. They put in Owen Burke, and then, I mean, they, I think he allowed nine receptions on nine targets, 134 passer rating when targeted. That's not on Steve Wilkes. Yeah, that's just a personnel problem. And, yeah, uh, give, exactly. Give the Chiefs credit for uh, seeing it, noticing it, and going after it. Uh, but uh, that is the big NFL story. And, yes, Steve Spagnuolo gets a new deal on the same day. So, uh, obviously, the juggernaut in Kansas City coming back with the league's best head coach, the best quarterback, the best defensive coordinator. And now it's GM season. Now it's time for Brett Veach to go to work, who's helped build that roster. And that's what everybody's chasing right now in the National Football League, trying to chase down that team in Kansas City. Um, and, and as we said, I think this was probably the year to get them as they had to go on the road. They were a wild card. I mean, they were a division champ, but they had to, to go on the road as a six-loss team, and no one could derail them on their way to the Super Bowl. And to go through, again, the, the, the conversation about the Chiefs, to wrap the whole thing up, I mean, to go through the one seed, the two seed, on the road in the AFC, uh, to beat the top seed in the NFC in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, to beat, you know, just it, it just – as impressive a playoff run and Super Bowl run as we've seen in a long, long time. I know it's the third one, so it's kind of getting old news for the Chiefs, but that should not be lost. I mean, uh, to go through who they went through on the road, the top seed in the AFC, top seed in the NFC, second seed in the AFC as well in their building. I mean, it, it is really, really impressive. And this was supposed to be the year they were vulnerable and uh, not the case, obviously. So we'll take your thoughts on that. A lot of thoughts coming in on the uh, LeBron James conversation and really the conversation about who's going to replace LeBron James and Steph Curry as the faces of the NBA. This says uh, too many friends in the NBA, no rivalries anymore. That's probably true. It says, guys, it was supposed to be Zion. Williamson, he's supposed to be as an American-born yeah. face and superstar. And you said John Morant, he would be another one. But he these guys, to be, but these, he's got too much. He's got too many issues that he, he maturity, yeah. maturity problems. Well, the best John American-born Morant. players right now, you would say, are you know Jason Tatum, you know John Donovan Mitchell, um, you know these kind of guys. Kevin Durant, obviously, uh, still still, you know, but he's you know. He's, Seventh in scoring in the league, average twenty eight points. A I know, game. but like, I don't know if KD's ever wants to be the face of the league. You're right. That's what I, 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 I'm just talking about American born stars. Yes, but that, that, I mean Kyrie Irving up in Dallas. But again, he been Leonard. his own worst enemy all the way. Kawhi Leonard, who doesn't like to play very often. Yeah, I'm like all the, all your American born superstars are supposed to be the face of the league. All have like issues. They all have issues. baggage. I know. Yeah, going with them that out of that, that will keep them and limit them from ever, I, in my opinion, becoming the next face of the league. And like I said, all the seems like a lot of the, the European born players or the European superstars that they're the ones. Even Luca, 
right? If you're talking about the the guy to me most likely to be the next MVP of the league, I've been saying Luca's probably going to be your MVP this year. That's another one outside the states, right? So you go from Giannis to Nikola Jokic and now to Luca. I mean, where's your American-born superstars for you know, the NBA? And I think it's a bigger picture indictment on the, the development and how they develop players in the United States versus around the world. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, um, you know, the entitlement at a lot of levels that the American players come in with and, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're superstars at, at, at a young age. Meanwhile, they're playing professionally around the world. And, yeah. you know, we've talked about Luka Doncic. When he first got to the NBA, he said, man, it's easier to score 20 in the NBA than it is to score in Europe. 20 points yeah. in a basketball game said uh, defenses are better over there and that's the thing obviously it's the growth of basketball and then you go back to the dream team and Michael Jordan and the the growth of the NBA in a global level and obviously it's caught up and the, the way they develop I mean we've heard uh, Gino R.E.M. and the coach of UConn and among others saying look it's you know they, they practice six days a week and play once a week in Europe uh, yeah, they practice all difference. the time uh, and then they play a game uh, in this country as you're growing up you play you play you, you, you practice very little and you play like six games in a in a Saturday in an AAU tournament. So the fundamentals suffer. Yeah. You know how to showcase your skill, though. Yeah, you, you're you skilled. You showcase, but you, you can don't, score. Yeah, your fundamentals are a little yeah, bit flawed. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a huge problem for the NBA. The TV ratings are dropping as they are. But, again, uh, like somebody like Ty who, who despises LeBron James, which a lot of people do, but it's still somebody to despise. It's still a villain. It's still someone you can hate and you want to turn on and see him get beat. And he's consistently out there. And he's there every he every plays. year. He every year. He plays. I mean, if you talk about load management, yep. but LeBron James plays. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, and look, I mean, the the you know, the U.S. could could embrace a guy like Luka Doncic, uh, and he could become a face and a star. But obviously, yes, he's he's not uh, from the United States and. Uh, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is as nice a guy and a great guy as you can see, but he's, you know, he's the Greek freak. Joel Embiid, uh, superstar. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the league, and, you know, but he doesn't even like to talk to the media. He doesn't even, I mean, no, he wants to go back, he doesn't even want to play want, basketball. He doesn't want to be the face of the, the He NBA. wants to go back home and be a, ran, be a yeah. rancher. He's an, he's an early retirement guy, in my opinion. Agreed. You've got to worry about him retiring too early. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it He's is. the face of your team. Well, I think it's something Adam Silver certainly has to be concerned about, big picture. Because I thought yeah. you gave a great example of boxing and tennis and other sports that, you know, when you don't have those rivalries. And, you know, you think about back to when I was growing up in, in tennis, it was it was McEnroe and Connors. Oh, and I remember that back in the day. Huge rivalries. And mm-hmm. Pete I, Sampras. I, I used to <laughs> beat Sampras, absolutely. I mean, I would, just like boxing. Agassi, I remember that. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a big deal. I mean, you would tune in to watch these uh, Grand Slam events mm-hmm. and the majors. And, uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of it with golf and when Tiger Woods goes away. You know, it, it's yep. still a, a very popular game. still does well, but it doesn't really bring the, uh, the average fan. And the NBA, uh, who has been carried, but A, by Michael Jordan, right into LeBron James and Steph Curry. And now those guys are, are at the end of their career. Who's next is a very, very fair question. All right, good stuff right there to start our uh, Thursday edition of Hook em Up with Ian Rod B. We'll continue the conversations. Rod will take us behind the BOC coming up. Also some What the Facts to wrap up our first hour. It's a busy Thursday. Hook em Up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Rolls On. Hope you had a good Valentine's Day, whatever you did to celebrate. For the restaurants were packed last night, the uh, oh, yeah. flowers... I had to make a run over to HEB yesterday afternoon. Man, that place was hopping. Yeah, Buzzing. all day long. All day long, man. Yeah, man. I, was, I went later on. It was still hopping. People still in there. I didn't even eat flowers. I needed, like, stuff for dinner. People still buying flowers. Flowers, flowers, candies, everything else. And, it's uh, never too late. Hope, never too late. Ty, how did your uh, 
your Valentine's event go? You said you were going to lunch, and then uh, your lady had to, had to work, but then you were going to go to a concert last night. Um, yeah, we went to Tiny Boxwoods for lunch, which I'd never Tiny? been to. It was pretty good. Not sure what that is. Um, it was kind Give of, it a plug. It's, it's like a bougie, bougie. lunch lunch spot um, off like 30, nice. 35th Street, I think. Um, but it was good. I had some uh, some chicken chicken enchiladas, and then uh, before that, I headed to the uh, to a florist, which I ordered some flowers from, and it was the same thing as H E B, where it was all guys of all ages in and out. And I've never seen a bigger smile on anyone's face, but the owner of the shop in there it seemed like it was a big, oh, big <laughs> day for a big him. day. Yeah, a lot of a lot of money coming in. Um, oh, yeah, it's got to be a florist's biggest day of the year. Oh, easily, I don't think it's hundred percent. Mother's Day may come half of it, but. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that was fun. But I got in and out of there. Got a. I got her a record player for also. Get so you. and then we oh, ended up not going player. to the concert though. We just we just hung out at the house. Oh, you're gonna. Yeah, you know that that was gonna be late. I always think that too. Midweek and it's got uh, those concerts. Bob Schneider was playing at ACL live at the Moody Theater. That's Bob Schneider and his orchestra, the big romantic night, and uh, that, can, that can get late. And by the time you get park, get home. Uh, your car, all that stuff, and you can be a late night on a, on a on a Wednesday, yeah. right in the midweek. But Americans uh, spent twenty four billion dollars on Valentine's Day in twenty twenty two. Twenty six billion in twenty twenty three. And I know this, knowing a lot of a lot it's of crazy. folks who uh, own restaurants. I mean, they love it when Valentine's Day is like on a Tuesday or Wednesday because that's normally not a big night. They hate it when it's on a Friday because, mm-hmm. like you know, Fridays are pretty packed anyhow. Uh, they don't like Valentine's Day on a Friday. They want Valentine's Day on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because that packs the place on a night it's not normally packed. Yeah, that's uh, true. Which is good a good thing. And yeah, but for the florist, man, I, I would—I don't know. I've never run a florist. I saw where our friends at Fry Tags Florist have worked with them a lot. They—they uh, they celebrating 50 years this Valentine's Day. I don't know. What do you, what do you think the percentage of their their revenue uh, for the year comes in? At least like 25 to 30 yeah, percent. Yeah. Yeah, at least a quarter of it. Well, we Guaranteed. know. I mean, I paid 150 dollars. For, oh, flowers are ridiculously for, expensive. For a small vase with, like, an arrangement. I, it was nice. instant, Yeah. I thought the, it was going to be a lot bigger for $150. It was not. No, it's not. No. The, the markup on flowers are ridiculous. You got, first of all, if they, if they make it yourself, they make the actual bouquet, then you got to throw in the labor. Uh, if they just kind of throw it out there as flowers and then you got to pick them yourself, I guess you could save a little bit of money on that. But I, I get a flower. The flower markup has got to be, dude, 200-something percent. It's got to be something at least at least it's like up there with coffee and up there with alcohol. Like it is a ridiculous markup. It really is. (laughs) And of course they die in a week. What do we know? Hey, uh, exactly. They die. Very wise. Yeah. Uh, But it's a thought that counts. No, it is. Well, no, actually it's not. You got to get the flowers. It ain't the thought that counts. That's the biggest lie ever told. The (laughs) thought that counts. That is so bull. (laughs) Valentine's Day is the actual holiday that says that line is bull. It is not the thought that counts. If you're just thinking about your woman on Valentine's Day, you're in trouble. Well, but the thought that counts is that they die in a week, and then they're gone. <laughs> right? They're gone. Well, that was the thought that counted. I mean, I go to the flowers, but you can't do anything yeah. with them after but I gotta six pay, days. But i got to pay for the thought. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was the thought that counted. <laughs> exactly. I thought about you. I was thinking about you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, it is certainly a, uh, the season of flowers and giving. It's good to, to, to spread the love. You know no, what I'm saying? No, it's good. You should, you should hook your significant other up. You should. And did you get stuff? Did you get gifts in return, Ty? Uh, get- she said that she got me something, but it's not here yet. Okay. Okay, there you go. See? See, thought the counts. (laughs) Thought the counts. Damn. Actually, she did. She pulled it off, huh? (laughs) Yeah, she did. Who knows if I'll ever get that gift. 
Oh, that's, that's good. The ladies are just so. Well, sad. we we had planned not to really. She was like, "Oh, we're you know, like I said, we're both don't have that much money right now. We just got back from New Orleans. Uh, you know, Christmas was was recently. We had to buy our family parent or presents and stuff like that. So, the the whole idea was not to buy each other anything. But then I started to get some hints leading up to yesterday that I that I needed to acquire her a present because she she okay. informed me that she really likes presents. She said that straight up to me, and I was like, okay, well. I see where this is going. Well, and then she I, told me I, I spent too much money, and of course I was like, "Well, if I, you know, it, it, that was a that was a battle I wasn't willing to fight." Twenty-two, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you. Welcome. Well, you're supposed to have a thoughtful gift that that didn't cost a lot of money. That's the that's that's the line she wants you to walk. Have a thought, a very thoughtful gift, but it's not something that you went to the store and just spent all your money on, because that's again that actually works against the thoughtful aspect of it. I'm I'm, I'm not just I'm not uh, criticizing. I'm just saying trying to think like a woman, trying to. Well, the the whole idea behind the record player that I got her was that we can. I was going to make her like personal vinyls with with you know kind of like a mix, mixtape you know Boom. voice voice track kind of deal, and then I could also just randomly go get her you know a, a record. There you go. Yes, that's exactly right. Because I think when she initially saw the record player, she was like, oh, what? And then I explained, and she she enjoyed the explanation on things, what I just told you all. Boy, Ty, see, he understood the assignment. There you go. All right. Good job. Ty gets it, man. Good job. All right. Uh, I hope everybody had had a good one. Relationship, Ty. You know, I always have argued it should be a two-way street, but we know it's not. I think it's the guy's job to get it right and uh, make sure it's a, it's a winner. And if not, you're in trouble. <laughs> I did, I did make two reservations for lunch that were canceled because she said no to both of them, and she ended up making the reservation, which I, I'm totally cool with her handling that. I still paid she and just, everything, but it. She, she just didn't like the spot or what? Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm not very good at giving presents nor uh, picking restaurants, I guess. So. All right, we'll go uh, more Valentine's chatter in mid-February. Can we uh, go behind the burn orange curtain, though? Rod's got us there with some Longhorn football chatter. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? I actually was looking at this uh, pro football focus list. Uh, Pro football focus actually came out with their uh, top players from 2023. Uh, they had a list of their top players from the, the 2023 season. Uh, and we'll go over that in just a second. I thought that was really interesting um, because you go look at, and they also have a mock draft that I want to get into a little bit here too. And they have actually an all-transfer team with Texas Gets Some Love. So uh, Pro Football Focus is actually doing some uh, great off-season content. Their latest NFL mock draft um, has a, some surprising um, destinations for uh, some lifetime Longhorns. In their latest mock draft for Pro Football Focus, they have Byron Murphy going to going to uh, the Raiders at pick 13. Something I've not seen. Not seen Byron Murphy go. I've seen him going as high as 15. Um, I think I even saw a mock draft that had him in the top 10. I don't think he'll go in the top 10. He could, um, but they got him here at 13, and they have him the second. I believe he's the third. He's the third defensive player uh, in this mock draft. 
which is still really, really high to end up being the third overall defensive player. That's probably where he'll end up being, somewhere around there. Remember, Dane Brugler's got him 15th, um, and I think consistently he's been right around that 15th. They got him at 13th going to the Raiders um, and essentially uh, have him, as like I said, the third defensive player, first defensive tackle off the board. After that, they don't really have a longhorn going. They got a, It's a two-round mock draft, um, and after that, they don't have a longhorn going until the second round. Remember I told you guys, I think the second round, that's going to be the money round, if you will, for, for these Longhorn prospects. I believe you could have as many as four, potentially even five guys taken just in the second round of the draft uh, for the Longhorns. So they got A.D. Mitchell sliding down to 39, unfortunately, going to the New York Giants. And I say unfortunately because that would mean he's going to a team that without a, in my opinion, without a true franchise quarterback. And you'd like uh, the Texas wide receivers to go to a team that at least has a franchise quarterback. Uh, that's a really good sign for them. Uh, they got uh, JT Sanders going to the Indianapolis Colts at 46, which is interesting. Um, I like that offense they have. And you can start talking about Anthony Richardson, one of the most dynamic uh, you know, quarterbacks in the league right now. He got hurt last season, um, but I like that offense, and I, I think I'd rather JT Sanders go to a more uh, proven commodity at quarterback, um, but that is a really, really cool offense for him to go to, and it'd be unfortunate because the Texans will have to see him twice a year, um, and I think the Texans actually could use a guy like JT Sanders, but they got him going 46 overall to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the uh, next Longhorn off the board in this mock draft is Tavondre Sweat, who they have going uh, 56 to the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys interested in Tavondre Sweat, which would, which would make sense. That means that they are not as excited about the Mozzie Smith pick. Um, the Mozzie Smith pick was a bit of a disappointment, I think, for a lot of uh, Cowboys fans. It's not a bust yet, uh, but they obviously wanted to address the interior D-line uh, in, in that draft with Mozzie Smith. And I think the reason was pretty simple, right? They had to go up against Philadelphia Eagles twice a year. They got a really good offensive line. They got to worry about the tush push and the brotherly shove. I've gone on the record and talked about how defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen now are making more money than ever before. And the reason why is because teams want to play with lighter boxes. This also would be a, a Zimmer pick. That'd be them, um, you know, giving Mike Zimmer some more tools to work with while he is trying to transition that defense from being a Dan Quinn defense to his defense. So they got uh, Tavondre Sweat going 56th overall to the Dallas Cowboys in the second round. And then he's got Jonathan Brooks right after that. And you know what? This does make sense, too. Right after that, 57 to the Green Bay Packers. And we know, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur has also stockpiled running backs. Uh, both of those running backs that he has are getting a little older in tooth. They want to run the football with that zone-blocking running scheme. Jay Brooks is an excellent zone-blocking running back. Um, he would fit that Shanahan system really, really well. Uh, so they got Jonathan Brooks going 57. A lot of Cowboys fans, I, even, I think uh, he brought this up as well one time, are uh, hoping that Cowboys could potentially grab Jonathan Brooks before um, that uh, – uh, before them drafting a defensive lineman or even before the Green Bay Packers could grab a Jonathan Brooks. They're opening in the second round that potentially the Cowboys are looking at Jonathan Brooks because that would be a nice investment, great value. He's a top running back on the board still, um, but nobody knows how the physical examinations are going to go for Jonathan Brooks. So there you go. And this, my, and this mock draft does not have Xavier Worthy taken in the second round. Wow. That would be a bit of a shock to me. Agreed. 
uh, that would be a bit of a shock to me if he's not taken in second run, considering everybody expects that he's going to run really well. And it is a deep wide receiver draft. So, yes, he may get pushed down um, in terms of the wide receiver uh, overall, this, in terms of where he ranks among the wide receivers. I don't think he'll drop to the point where he'll be outside of the second round. And I think if he does drop that far, some team will trade up and go get him. Because not only is he a dynamic close receiver, but he also offers you punt return ability. He's, remember, guys, he was like the best punt returner in the country, too. He was like one of the, one of the top punt return, one of the top five punt returners in the country, too. Um, so I'm a little shocked. That's probably the only big surprise here in this mock draft for Pro Football Focus that no Xavier Worthy in the top two rounds for them. Interesting. For yeah, and as we said, I mean, the, these mock drafts are all over the place. NFL.com has one with, where JT Sanders goes 21st yeah, yeah, in the first round. So, I mean, it it's all uh, – it's early yet, and it's – you know, I haven't even been through the combine and then the individual workouts and all that comes with that. But, you know, I think PFF is based mostly on grades and film and – um, you know, Xavier Worthy has good film. You know, and that's good the thing. Too. That's surprising. That's yeah. really surprising. Uh, he can bring a lot to a football team. You yeah. know, you can't coach speed and, and uh, someone who can return punts and be a threat back there on your special teams. And uh, uh, and he's a he's an intense player. I, mean, I know he's had the drop issues, and I know a lot of Longhorn fans will talk about that. Yeah. But this year he was real consistent. He was great. This he was year. great this year. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little surprised by that, but like you said, it's just they they it, the mock is the mock for a reason. It's a mock. It's a mock, but it just <laughs> gives you an indication what the what the experts are thinking about these Longhorn players. And as we told you this week, 11 Longhorns headed to the Combine uh, coming up, and we'll certainly uh, follow it as they get there. That'll be February 29th is when that Combine officially begins. But uh, it is that season, Rod. You know, we're through the actual playing season, so uh, now it is the uh, – The mock season. Baby. I the, love it. The evaluation. It's a silly season. It's yeah. a silly season, really. What well, it it's the evaluation season, which will then lead to the – acquisition season, right? I mean, there's a month of, of this whole evaluation conversation mm-hmm. where they do the senior bowl and they do the combine and they do start going the individual workouts and then the league year opens and then it's acquisition time. Yep. Either through free agency as, as teams have identified what their holes are going to be, then you go back acquiring players. So almost like the transfer portal opening, right? You, yeah. you hit free agency and then that uh, ends with the draft. And the draft is the end, uh, pretty much the the meat of the, the end of the meat of the, uh, the acquisition period in the National Football League, how you acquire new players and bring in new talent. Uh, all right, so we'll continue the conversations. Of course, the behind the burn orange curtain mentioned earlier, we're going to get a deep dive uh, th- th- thought about this Texas baseball team coming up later in the show. Nice. Uh, Drew Bishop is going to join us uh, in the 9 o'clock hour and talk hey. about this baseball team, the the nice mix of veterans. And I really do think this team has a – we talked about it on the Longhorn live stream the other night, right on, on Texas football. I do think it has a nice mix of veteran, kind of like the football team this year, where you had got a lot of, a lot of these guys we're talking about going to the combine who were returning that could have moved on. The Jalen Fords of the world and the Devondre uh, uh, Sweats. The longer baseball team has some of those guys, right? Porter Brown is back yeah. to play in the outfield. And, um, you know, Peyton Powell to play third base. And, uh, uh, you know, some, even on, on the mound with LBJ, LeBaron Johnson Jr. and Tanner Witt. But then they all they, they have a mix of these veteran players and then some rising guys who you think, you know, they, they kind of balled out as freshmen. And, boy, you expect a big leap as sophomores. And then they got a whole new freshman class that's coming in. Uh, including a guy named Will Gasparino that I think a lot of people will be talking about. He comes into a, one of the highly regarded prospects as a freshman in college baseball. So we'll uh, we'll talk to uh, Drew about that as the Longhorns open up their baseball season on Friday over at UFCU Dishfalk Field hosting the uh, University of San Diego. So nice. uh, we'll preview that coming up. So be with us in the 9 o'clock hour. Just to start at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, Drew will join us if you want to get a deep dive on the Texas baseball team. We'll also talk some Texas basketball. Props to Vic Schaefer and his Texas women last night. They made it five in a row and beat Houston last night. So they're rolling Texas. 
Texas men play Saturday at Houston. So uh, there's your behind the BOC. We'll come back, hit some what the facts, uh, including uh, facts about uh, the the uh, one of the great snack foods of all time. The inventor of one of the great snack foods of all time has passed away, Rod. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm telling you that. Coming back. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Signed, sealed, delivered. It is official now. Hook Em Up. And uh, let me say a huge tip of the cap, Rod, because one of the best to ever do it. The great all-time announcer, Vern Lundquist, the Austin High Maroon himself has announced that 2024, the Masters coming up in April, will be his 40th and will be his final Masters for CBS. He's going to, uh, to retire. The great Vern Lundquist, of course, oh, one nice. time a Dallas Cowboys voice uh, from Austin High, right here in Austin, Texas, where he graduated. He attended Texas Lutheran University. There was Texas Lutheran College at the time. Uh, but he is a legend in broadcasting, and he is uh, stepping aside. He'll do one more Masters. Of course, makes the call. I believe it's on that 16th hole, the par three, and has for years and years and years. Uh, so many legendary calls. Uh, but at 83 years old, yeah, Vern Lundquist calling it quits after this year's match. So props to him. Yeah, nice. Congratulations. Great career. Great career. Hall yep. of Famer. Uh, one of the best. And a, and, a, and a local guy, Austin Hunt. You see him in Austin quite a bit, actually. Oh, you do? Yeah. I don't see him. He gets back a little bit. No. He gets back from time to, for banquets and things of that nature. So, yeah, he's a big supporter of what's going on in Austin. That's good stuff. All right. Uh, what the facts? What the facts, Rob? What do you have? Uh, all right, how about this one? Uh, what the facts? Uh, this is a pretty cool stat. The Celtics have been favored by an average of eight and a half points per game this season. That's the highest mark in the NBA in the last 30 years. Only nine teams have been favored by an average of eight, at least eight and a half points per game or higher through 55 games. Uh, that list of teams, 2016 Warriors, 96 Bulls, 2015 Warriors, 2019 Bucks, 2017 Warriors, 2015 Spurs, 95 Bulls, 2004 Spurs, and your 2023 Celtics. It's a nice list. It's a pretty damn good list. Says a lot about what the Celtics may be capable of this season. Absolutely, as we'll start uh, digging into the NBA coming out of the All-Star break this weekend. How about this, Rod? You know the 49ers uh, you know, trying to pick up the pieces after a lost Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, in addition to defense coordinator Steve Wilkes being relieved of his duties, which you told us to watch for even if they had won the game, but obviously it's become a big criticism nationally of, uh, of Kyle Shanahan. But in addition to having to get a new defensive coordinator, uh, assistant head coach and running back coach Anthony Lynn is leaving to go to Washington. Mm-hmm. Their past game coordinator, Clint Kubiak, left to go become the Saints offensive coordinator. And their assistant O-line coach, James Craig, going to, the, to be the Raiders O-line coach. And their assistant D-line coach, Daryl Tapp, going to the Commanders to coach the D-line there. So a lot of change in uh, San Francisco, which sometimes can be good, but yeah. uh, uh, both on the roster and in their, in their coaching staff. If the Niners are going to try to get back, obviously, Cowboys making big changes on their defensive side after Dan Quinn left mm-hmm. as well. So uh, – you know, the, the the contenders in the NFC making changes. Uh, well, honestly, that's been happening for a while. Sure. If you go look at between Sean McVay's staff and between Shano's staff and the front office, um, I don't think he's had the uh, the same staff on either side of the ball for more than two years because everybody everybody just comes and poaches all of his coaches. So he's actually had to replace a ton of co- – between he and Sean McVay, I don't think there's any two coaching staffs, and obviously coaching staffs don't stick together that long anyway because coaches don't stick around that long anymore. But I don't think anybody's had to deal with as much turnover as McVay and Shano. I'll go track it, but uh, honestly, it's historic. 
uh, the amount of coaches they've had to replace in five, six years there. 100 percent yeah, true. It's, it's both of those guys. It's unbelievable what they've done uh, to, to remain consistent. Honestly, that's one of the biggest, I think, drop offs. And I, I said this before. My rule of three: it's hard to get el- to to hire elite um, at, in any in any position, and and hard to even draft elite or to acquire elite, whatever it may be, in any position three times in a row. And to have Robert Sala, then D'Amico Ryans, and then expect the, the Wilkes to also be able to pick up exactly where those guys left off. I think Wilkes did a decent job. The truth is, the expectations were just way too high for Steve Wilkes. Because why wouldn't they be? D'Amico Ryans had done such a good job. He was promoted to head coach. Sala did such a good job, promoted to head coach. I think that was also the the belief, expectation that Wilkes was going to do such a good job that basically somebody was sort of looking at him to be a head coach. Just not the case. Not the case. I mean, it's just yeah. And I think actually he did a good job, but he he he's not going to be as stellar as those guys. So I think that's well. And he was the first of all that that, that came from outside, right? I mean, uh, uh, Sala was in was on the staff and promoted up, and D'Amico same thing. And uh, they went outside of the uh, organization to bring in Steve Wilkes. We'll see what they do now uh, to replace him. Uh, one name I have heard Rod is Mike Vrabel to watch for. Wouldn't Mike Vrabel be interesting? This game has come up for everything now. I mean, hasn't it come? Yeah. People brought it up for the guy. It's going to come up for every defensive coordinator. I actually don't know if that's real or not because it keeps coming up, and yet I don't hear a report from like a I don't know an Ian Rappaport or somebody that's trustworthy. That no, no, indeed, he is the guy. He is the focal point of this candidacy. They want Mike Vrabel to be the guy. I just keep hearing his name because it makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if it's actually being reported as fact, though. Yeah. Well, we'll see. That's one name that's out there that's big uh, as they have to uh, to replace now Steve Wilkes uh, moving forward. What else do you have, Rod, and what the facts? Uh, okay. I got a couple more then. Um, how about this one um, for all you Cowboys fans out there? Uh, this would be good because Mike Zimmer is known as a disciplinarian, and that's one of the best things about Mike Zimmer. If you go look at uh, the splits for Mike Zimmer's defenses when it comes to penalties, so how about this? Uh, if you're looking just for at penalties on the defensive side of the ball and where his teams were ranked as a head coach, um, the Cowboys have been dealing with that for a while. And in 2021, his team 11th in penalties. Uh, in 2020, though, 27th, 26th. 31st, 19th, 23rd, 32nd, 24th. Out of the eight years he was there, the Vikings were in the bottom half of the league in seven of those seasons. So you're talking about one of the least penalized teams. One thing about Mike Zimmer's teams or defenses, they don't hurt themselves. They don't beat themselves. They're a disciplined group. They're a buttoned-up group, fundamentally sound group. A lot of people think that's because he's such a hard-nosed coach uh, and a lot of – Players don't like to get on his bad side. But that is kind of uh, the antithesis, a little bit of the opposite of what you dealt with with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's defenses were penalized defenses, um, and I think the Cowboys teams were just penalized teams, period, because they were really undisciplined. Expect Mike Zimmer to bring a new level of accountability to the Cowboys. No question about that. All right, here it is. Here's what the facts, Rod. Uh, Rest in peace to the inventor of Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts. I love a Pop-Tart. Bill Post just passed away at the age of 96. Age of 96, who hasn't enjoyed a great Pop-Tart in their day? I would also tell you it's a fact that according to this uh, story, Rod, that uh, Pop-Tarts are one of the three most unhealthy snacks you can eat on the planet. Uh, that can't be true. One of the three most unhealthy. are we giving the kids then? I don't know. That's what it says right here. Kellogg's Frosted Strawberry Pop-Tarts. It says uh, not only is this snack high in sodium and low in fiber and protein, also, Kellogg's Pop-Tarts contain ultra-processed ingredients such as soybean oil, refined flour, and three different types of sugars, refined white sugar, corn syrup, and high-fructose corn syrup. One of the three most unhealthy 
snacks you can have. So you're telling me you're a bad parent if you're giving your kids Pop-Tarts? No. That, that, uh, it's not healthy, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll get you the top five, by the way. See if you can guess the top five most unhealthy snacks anyone can eat, kids and adults. Uh, it's mostly Number three sugar. Is, oh, sugar. Anything is. with refined sugar, processed I'll sugar. I'll get you three of the most. I'll get you the top five coming up. Get you the top five most unhealthy snacks. Plus, Rod will get you a rant for the first time on this Thursday. Reset your headlines. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are certainly with the folks of Kansas City in that tragedy yesterday. Just horrifying. Uh, that, you know, yep. All too common, obviously, yep. as we say. Very, very unfortunate. And uh, thoughts and prayers there. Loss of life for a radio DJ in Kansas City. Mother of two. Senseless. Gunned down celebrating the win of a Super Bowl. Just uh, highly tragic. We'll come back. Uh, second hour coming on Hook Up with Ian Rodby.